Have you ever noticed that when people talk about growth, they often talk about the big finishes, the outcomes. You know what they rarely talk about? The beginning, when everything is at or near zero. But that's the fun part, right? It was for Gene Hopkins. Gene joined Lolo.com as CMO in October of 2018. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of historical context or data to go off of really to know which projects, channels, and work should be prioritized. They were and still are early stage, so marketing was really in discovery mode. So how did Gene go about building a marketing engine from the ground up? It's still a work in progress, but I can promise you that there are no talks of big finishes here in our conversation. Instead, we talk about all those small things that came together. This is Ground Up. It's a podcast about growth, except without all the numbers. Here, we tell the stories of everything behind the numbers, the ideas, the habits, the discipline, and also the personal and professional growth of some of the smartest marketers and business owners that we know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Tell us about the conversation with when you linked up with Mike Volpe again um, about uh, joining Lola. Obviously, you guys had worked together at HubSpot for, for mm-hmm. what, back in 2009? Nine to 2012. I worked for him for three years yep, at HubSpot. Uh, yep. High growth periods, the, the, some, yep, some of the glory yep. days of HubSpot. So talk well, about... It was, just, it was very invigorating. <laughs> right, right. Left uh, uh, HubSpot some, I guess it would be about seven years ago now. Um, there were a lot of people that had gone through the big growth, and there were different people that were leaving for a variety of reasons. But as the chief breadwinner in my household, um, I needed to make more money. I mean, it was simple as that. And I received an offer that was unexpected from the CEO at SmartBear, and I left there, and then I went to another company, and then I went to another company. And during that entire time, like most people do, you stay in touch with people or you bump into them at different events, CMO events or technology events or shows. And, and when Mike moved to Cyber Reason, I would see him at security shows. I'd see him around and he, he'd keep in touch and I'd keep in touch. Like he'd ask me, um, you know, backdoor referrals. What did I think about this person? What did I know about that person? And so we were in touch. I mean, it wasn't uh, every few years or so, maybe we would see each other or something. And it wasn't, there wasn't ever a break in the relationship, I guess. It was just more of a, um, how can we help each other? And one of the things I really like about Mike and that he's particularly good at is he always is looking to be able to help other people. He's always connecting. He's always looking to be able to get that one plus one for people within his network, which is, as you know, extremely extensive. Mm. And he's a great person to know. But you also have to give back, too. I think one of the things that is an expectation of his is that you're always willing to pay it forward. So I learned a lot from Mike about staying in touch and continuing with your network and being able to help other people. And Mike would always end any conversation, any messaging, anything. How can I be of help? How can I help? And that, to me, is just amazing 
because I'm sure you know in your particular role, how many emails, how many LinkedIn requests, how many things do you get with people looking for 10, 15, 30 <laughs> minutes in exchange for a cup of coffee or they want to take you to, yeah. they, I love the dinner things. Like, you know, I want to go to dinner and, you know, we're going to have this meeting with a whole bunch of people that you don't know and we're going to have this, extra, you know, very stressful conversation. And it, it, it's, it's, Something that I, Dave Gerdhardt tweeted the other day, and uh, I, I shared it with my direct sales team because it was like, it was such a generic, dear whoever you yeah. are, I want 15 <laughs> minutes from you, and, and I want to learn all about your objectives, your, what you're doing, your strategies, I always love that, and, and then sign whomever. And, and I, I sent that to the direct, and I, he, it was so true because we get so many of these messages and I respond much more to the personal. Right. So if somebody sent me a message saying, Hey, John from Databox is interested in learning a little bit more. He wants to connect with you. Do you mind for coming from somebody else? That gives me that third sure. party. You need that context. Yeah. Yeah, Who are all these people that have 15 minutes to, to, to just <laughs> jump on the phone? I, it was, yeah. I wish I had all those 15 <laughs> minutes, right? I mean, I like 15 minutes for lunch. I'm eating at my <laughs> desk, you know? <laughs> it's like, you could, and, and the thing is, I don't drink coffee. And so every time that somebody asks me for coffee, if people know me, they know I drink tea. And <laughs> I particularly drink iced tea. And I drink it, you know, year-round. I drink it in the winter. And so people that really know me say, hey, do you want to go out for an iced tea? And 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 so when people ask me for or, – or my personal favorite is when people are uh, completely – mangle my name for whatever you've got a great name my husband's name is john so it's john and jean but my name is spelled j-e-a-n-n-e and and i i get so i my favorites are Jeans. you know is Jean there i'm, I'm like janine's uh joann's whatever genie <laughs> well it, my parents call me that and my grandparents used to call me genie so when i hear that it's like your mom is talking to you, you know, <laughs> and and so I'm like, you know, you don't really have that kind of authority with right, you, you know, right. your parents are calling you, and they still do, they still call me. So anyway, we've so done it I, again. But, we, yeah, we've done it again, Gene. We went off the rails. I'm sorry. Gene and I spent about ten minutes talking about <laughs> New England ice cream before, before, before you're hearing what we, you hear now. We know, we know too much about you know. Separate the podcast coming on that. So, yeah. uh, so Mike Volpe. So getting back to the conversation about Mike Volpe. Mike started a year ago, August 1st, um, 2018. And he asked me to come and come to the office and just talk to him. And so I came to the office and he was saying, he was talking about the business and he was talking about the personas and who they're focused on. And so financial people and that sort of thing. And a lot of people don't know that I have an undergraduate degree in accounting. Sure. which I know is kind of weird, but my dad was the managing editor of the Springfield Union News in Western Massachusetts. And when I graduated from high school, I was going to go into journalism. And he flat out said, no, you're too positive of a person. It's just going to, it's going to, you're going to turn into a cynic. And I mean, oh, like you? <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, like me. And I don't want you to do that. So I looked for something that I could do no matter what. And no matter where, you know, it was like one of those kind of functions. And so I have a mathematical sensibility as well. So I figured, what the heck, accounting. So I have an accounting background, and then I have a master's degree in international marketing. So, I mean, at the time, 
and so I said that to Mike, I'm like, you know, I have, you know, I know this kind of persona Mm. because it's easy. I've always had a very good relationship with all of my CFOs because uh, marketing people have an unfortunate tendency to go over budget and they don't, they don't make that relationship with the CFO or the head of finance or your accounts payable person because they don't stay on top of, we all have so many bills that we have to approve. And, and every job that I've ever had, I've always wanted to make sure that I saw every single invoice that was coming through my budget because that was the only way I could figure out like what our tech stack was, where were we spending money? And once you kind of got your handle on that, then you could figure out what your ROI is, where you're spending sure. money and what kind of a return. So anyway, so Mike was like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. <laughs> and, and, and so we talked and it was a nice conversation and I went away and you know, it was like last August and it was like, hey, it was great to see you, yada, yada, yada. And then I think he was kind of trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And he knew that he wanted to hire somebody that was in direct sales um, to be able to lead that particular team. And I knew that, uh, you know, it kind of all came together. So towards the end of the month, he had me come back in. And then he, um, then I came back in and, you know, and I was just like coming in, you know, I was just like talking to people. And um, they had one young woman, Emily, that was here working for 18 months without any kind of marketing leadership, without any kind of rules. And I called her the island of one. So I spent time talking to her more as a mentor and saying, and then I started providing her with a bunch of, hey, take a look at this, take a look at that. You know, you might want to think about this. We would talk about some of the challenges she had. And I wasn't thinking about anything else. I mean, it wasn't, there, there was nothing else that I wasn't, I was working. I had, I uh, was a CMO and EVP at Ipswich and things were going great there. And, and then he asked me to come in again and then talk to Paul English, the founder and a bunch of other people. And then he says, do you want to work here? And it was very similar to how he did it to me at HubSpot <laughs> because at the time that I went to work at HubSpot in 2009, I only went to talk to him because I was looking to barter my content Uh, writing capabilities in exchange for a free instance of HubSpot. So I was just looking to be able to barter that. And at that time, he had me come in, he had me talk to some people. I talked to Roberge, I talked to Halligan, I talked to a bunch of people. And he said, well, do you want to work here? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and at the, and, and I, at the time, because it wasn't even like my frame of reference at the time. And this was kind of a similar thing. Um, and, and it wasn't that I was looking for anything. And then bing, bang, bong, apparently I fit whatever they were looking for. But at the same time, he wanted to make sure that Ryan and I were aligned. So Ryan and I had a number of conversations before we accepted our positions. Sure. So we, we wanted to make sure that what his trajectory and my trajectory in careers after HubSpot and what we were doing, were we going to be aligned and were we going to be supportive of each other? And Right, because there's traditionally be, a lot of tension between marketing and sales. So you kind of, that's smart <laughs> to address that head on before you even both accept <laughs> roles. That's awesome. It was very smart of Mike, very, very smart. And so where Ryan's built the team, he's got 23 people on his team now, and I was able to build my team from scratch. So that's kind of how it went. It was was not a full bore. I know he was talking to a lot of people, but he... He had to, like when you're building a team, you you want a certain executive level. What else are people going to be doing? And so the right. conversation was a little bit more um, 
it, it, it was extemporaneous in terms of its approach. And right. the way that Mike thinks is he doesn't think uh, square hole, uh, square peg. He, he thinks on a much larger scale. So anyway, it, that's, that's kind of like, how it works. I feel like Mike is really good at playing the long game and, oh, and, and, and oh. yeah, valuing the relationships part of it. Uh, what was most important in your conversations with Ryan when you're talking about that marketing and sales uh, alignment? I almost said synergy. Uh, that would have been tragic. <laughs> <laughs> what was like most important for you to hear? Like, What were the most important things for you to agree on? Um, that we had a stable relationship, even though we hadn't talked to each other. Um, either face-to-face or whatever. So we had a few video conversations um, that went on for a while, and we talked about our approach. Um, this this was the first executive-level role for Ryan. It was the first time, and so he was stepping up, and Mike, as you pointed out, the long game, looking at where he was going to be going. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that he still felt um, the about data and and you know I've run sales and sales and marketing teams myself and so my I know my what my role is in any organization and I just wanted to make sure that what I remembered about Ryan it hadn't changed um, because there was any kind of uh, bad uh, referenceability with different marketing organizations he may have worked with mm-hmm. and he knew that I was there to be able to support him in an effort to be able to help the company achieve their objectives. Right. And so you mentioned there was one marketer at the time. Uh, <laughs> what, what, so she, what was she working on? Primarily content and blogging and social and that well, kind of thing? She, she was trying to do everything right. all by herself without having a leader. And mm. she would have 22 revisions of a single ebook because someone would change a comma or do something. She didn't have the authority um, internal authority, even though she had the responsibility, but she didn't have the internal authority to be able to just move forward with things. So a lot of things, she's a very creative, mm. has a high degree of initiative. So a lot of things that she would start were just stalled. They were just, nothing was moving forward because she didn't feel confident enough to be able to say, just finish it, just take it across the finish line. Because so many people had so much input, you know, everybody's a marketer. And so when Mike joined, and he said, very first thing is, let's get an ebook. And she's like, well, luckily enough, I've got like two in play. And so she finished those up. He approved them. He got them out the door, and they started working on generating leads. So she, she was, I, I can't even, everything she was trying to work on. But the implementation, they owned HubSpot. They owned HubSpot as a platform, mm-hmm. but they weren't really using it. So it wasn't until they started working on it. And then I joined October 1. And the first thing that we had to do was move things from subdomains that had been built by the engineering team into folders and starting to work on making HubSpot really work. Manageable. Right. Manageable. And she she has been integral. She's responsible for all of our events. Um, she's an excellent writer. She's I'm so glad that she's part of the team. She started in the service organization here and they moved her into marketing after she'd been there for about 18 months. But then 18 months without having a marketing leader, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And if you mm-hmm. don't feel like you have the authority to move forward with things, it was challenging for her. I'm lucky she still stayed here. Right. I, I yeah. Uh, uh, trying to to gain consensus in any department working that way is oh. can be 
awful, but especially, and I'm biased, and you know, both of us are because we work in marketing, but especially in marketing where so much of what you're doing is subjective. Yeah. I don't like the way that's written. I don't like the way this is positioned or right. Right. That, that design isn't good enough or right. everything is subjective. So it, it, if, yeah, when you're working through trying to get something across the finish line, as you said, and you're dealing with trying to get every consensus from everybody mm. that, yeah, that, so, so how did you manage that? Like, um, coming in as, as, you know, a leader of the marketing organization, um, did you, did you sort of, uh, you know, put processes in place where, where that wasn't necessary anymore? And it took some time, John, it yeah. definitely took some time because there were some people that definitely felt that they had ownership of things, mm. um, particularly on the product side in terms of, uh, design and sure. the design of Lola as a product. I mean, it's a, it's a Paul English view of the world and he has extremely capable people on his team. Yet, you know, you can't stop moving just because somebody doesn't like, you know, it's one pixel off. There were a lot of these things that were turning into pissing contests and, and trying to, and not in a negative way, but, you know, things across Slack or things across email without context, without mm. having a face-to-face, -face, it really was causing um, some internal heartache and hardship. And until I built the team so that we were more self-sufficient, and I, I had to, like, pretty much say, no, not, not going to do it. And Mike Volpe always had my back. He was like, move faster, move faster, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, because <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of this stuff, it's not rocket science. It's just mm -hmm. do it, get it right. done, yeah, yeah. iterate, keep going. Right. You're going to learn way more just by getting something out. Maybe if it's a little early than you do by <coughs> yeah, getting into, like you said, internal pissing contests through Slack or, or email. <coughs> yeah. Um, so when you came in, uh, talk about like building that marketing engine. That must have been exciting for you, right? Uh, coming in and building that marketing engine really from from the ground up like what were yeah. the what were the initial op I'm sure there was a lot of you know you were kind of in discovery mode <coughs> but like what were those uh, initial opportunities like what, what were your uh, the, the first priorities oh that's that's a good question um, like I mentioned one of the first things I want to see is the budget where do we spend the money so I had to talk to the finance team find out where we were spending money I wanted to see everything that we spent in 2018. I wanted to see where the money went. Then I wanted to find out what was the data behind it. So if we spent $75,000 on Facebook ads, what did we get out of it? Mm -hmm. And then you wouldn't be able to look in the CRM because they really didn't have a CRM. So trying to figure out was it a waste of money or not a waste of money. And essentially, everything prior was probably not the best investment. You know, anybody can spend money, right? Anybody can just spend money. The second thing I looked at was the tech stack. I wanted to take a look at where were we spending money? What were, what were our implementations? And I learned that there were a bunch of commits to things that I probably wouldn't have spent money on. Mm. So everybody's throwing jello at the wall and like saying, what? we need to buy this. Oh, Discover org. I mean, right. not a bad tool, sure. but was it the right tool? Yeah. Was it the right tool to integrate with HubSpot CRM? Uh, another thing is they had people that were working on the back end of the CRM, and they were downloading lists from Discover and uploading them into HubSpot. But those aren't leads. That's nothing. And first of all, you can't email them. You can't do anything. 
And so try and, and so the third thing, you know, so you look at the budget, you look at the tech stack, and the third thing is you look at your database. What's a real lead? What does a real lead look like? And when you and, and what kind of a form completion do we have? And what pages are people going to and what are they searching for in order to find us? And in between trying to fix the website and trying to figure out where people were going. So one of the initial things that was happening was somebody had implemented some sort of a calendaring tool that wasn't integrated with HubSpot. So somebody would be able to go and pick time to be able to have a demo, but it wouldn't be in the CRM at all. So we had to spend time with um, some experts to be able to help us get the CRM so that if somebody was booking an appointment, you'd be able to see it, you'd be able to have the follow-up. So there was a bunch of back office stuff that needed to get fixed sure. before we could really move forward. And when I say fixed, it's it's it happens to any company because as you're trying to figure out, you're, you know, you're changing the tires on a uh, bus careening 60 miles down a mountain road, right? I mean, it's just all these things that you're trying to figure out and you got to take a little bit from here, a little bit from here and a little bit from here. And initially, you know, our goal was, um, Ryan had started hiring salespeople. So we had to start rotating leads to them. What leads were we rotating? So we're rotating, uh, webinar leads, paid webinar leads, paid media leads, uh, demo requests, ebook downloads. And then the number of salespeople, they were new, they were learning the product they really hadn't had that flood tsunami. It was the word that was used by mm -hmm. the sales team. So they had so many leads that they weren't able to discern what had value. And we weren't in a place where we were actually doing a lead scoring. So, right, right. you know, having to hire a marketing ops person, you know, all the things that you're working on trying to make it work together. It took a while. It, it definitely. And then getting new team members. So, I was able to hire six team members within uh, 45 days. So everybody was essentially stood up by the beginning of December. And then we were able to create the synergy to be able to help grow things. Right. So it sounds like you were doing a few things, paid ads, you were running <laughs> webinars, you were, you were like, hey, yep, so yep. was the, was the, was the plan there really just trying a, a few different things and seeing what worked, right? Because but at not that even point, a few, Brajan, a yeah. lot. Because you didn't have a ton of historical context to go off nothing, of, really. Had nothing. Had right. no data, and and even now, um, even when you look at the sheer number of data. So in March, we decided. Ryan and I said, okay, this tsunami of leads. So we were sending some. I, I think February and March were each about three thousand form completions on the website. Mm -hmm. Too much for the sales organization. So we said, okay, let's just focus on demo requests. So in March, we made a concerted effort to be able to, we had a goal uh, company-wide, we're gonna get to 300 demo requests. We got to 361. And then in April, we had 400 and change. In May, it was over 700, June over, and we've been consistently over 700 demo requests and we take out all the international ones because we only sell to U.S. based companies and, you know, just trying to get to the point where it's a better quality lead that they're going to know how to follow up on. And then Ryan has also insisted that in addition to marketing flow, that he wants a sales team to be able to do outreach. And there's enough leads in our database now that they can work the company, not the lead. So it's, it's you know, we, we meet all the time. We text, we slack with each other so that we're helping to grow as fast as we can. But as you pointed out, John, I don't have a lot of data. 
So mm-hmm. the first paid customers actually came in um, in last August. So now we're renewing those customers, and it's it's an it's different it's different to renew people. It's a different sales process to be able to renew people versus getting acquiring them. So we have a whole different like marketing stream for customers. Right, and your customer marketing has had to ramp up too over time. Yes, because, yes, definitely. <laughs> compared to last year. So what do you do? Curious, like what you do. So uh, the sales team focuses on the demo request. That seems like that's grown quite a bit. Is there a nurturing component that goes into everyone else? So those other few thousand leads that yep. maybe just filled out an ebook or attended a webinar, is there a nurturing component that, that is yep. working well? Yep, and they're broken up into personas. So the persona being there's a financial persona, so we have different content that's targeted towards them. We have a weekly uh, blog post that is authored by our VP of Finance, Rebecca Morrison, who is former HubSpot as well. She's awesome, and she has a great um, response to things, so we do this in her name. We also have a series of podcasts, and there's a podcast that Rebecca and Volpe do together called Beautiful Numbers, where they actually dissect um, a company, a a publicly traded company, and we have a number of of podcasts and episodes on that. So it's always good to have Rebecca's view of the world because she's such a great operations person, and Volpe's view of the world because he has such an overall perspective Mm. of businesses. So it's always interesting to see where things go there. So we have that persona where we have a whole nurture stream. We have a whole nurture stream based on the executive assistants and office managers that are usually the people responsible for booking corporate or business travel um, for the team. And unfortunately, these poor people are trying to manage these absolutely chaotic trips with, the, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to return here because I got booked this meeting. And so they're nine million emails later, later and you're trying these people and what they want to see is something in one platform, one visibility. So we have a whole stream for them. And then we have a whole stream for the, the business traveler themselves because every business traveler wants to be able to integrate with an expense platform, wants to be able to go faster, wants to know that somebody has their back and then they're going to get home when they want to get home. Sure. So <clears throat> the other thing that's really challenging when you don't have a ton of historical context to go off of is goal setting. So how did you approach that coming in where it was like, okay, uh, especially since the sales team is also getting settled as well, right? There's new leadership there. How did you go about setting the the right goals from a marketing standpoint, whether it was signups, sessions, demo requests, like what was your thought process through that? Well, I kind of looked at what You know, I just look because, you know, my job is to generate leads for businesses, whether it's partners or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. the team is looking for. So working backwards in terms of what what did we need to generate? What were we looking to for the goal for customers and trying to work back? Our conversion rates are improving um, because we've got better content. We've got more organic traffic, less paid, those kinds of things. And we knew that it was going to be a moving target. So quite frankly, John, it was a little bit of a okay let's because (laughs) i have a goal i i I mean i gotta have a goal and we have a monthly company meeting that i wanted to and i didn't want it to be an easy goal i wanted us to um everybody in the company and mike is fantastic for this is to be held to Mm -hmm. a certain we all have to have a goal and this is where rebecca is great that we have this operation standards and she reports at each company meeting and it's not just 
you know, revenue or this or that, but what are my goals? So my goals are, you know, getting enough leads to the sales organization, maintaining um, the review uh, uh, standard that we've set for ourselves on the various product review sites, um, our ability to generate new content. So I have a goal for gated content. I have a goal for onboarding uh, customers in, in a specific time period. I have a goal for getting them to be booking. So from a customer marketing team, I have two success managers that are on my team and we support them. They do webinars for um, AEs, uh, executive assistants and office managers and travelers and also built a customer hub, building all the individual content to, and then working on the automation process so things can move faster and faster with fewer people touching them. And all of these, all of these numbers are tied into uh, some sort of greater initiative, right? From from a marketing standpoint. Right. Well, it's yeah, because what we are trying to figure out, like, how right. do we improve the conversion rate? How do we? And and so in our instance of HubSpot, we're looking at all these individual dashboards to figure out where we are. And you know, like anybody, I have it open all the time, looking to see how are the leads going, and then I look at the sales dashboard to find out how is the rotator working, um, are who's booking opportunities who's you know what is the source of this information so we have a slack channel that every time somebody sells something you get the who sold it how much they sold it for what was the customer looking for and then I'm able to correlate that particular data into why customers buy so I do a monthly voice of the customer meeting where I have the direct the indirect the customer success the service team um, and the marketing team present the why people buy why people don't buy and uh, learnings that we can and then talking to the product team about those things so that the product team is just not hearing all the time. Oh, my customer wants this, or they want this widget, or they want this feature. You got to look at the whole, and and that's what we're trying to do as a company: move fast, look at the entire business, and make our product lightweight, easy to use, easy to implement. What's working right now uh, from a from a marketing perspective, an acquisition perspective? Like, what's working really well? Um, actually, content like anything. I think that Organic, our blog. Yeah everything uh my goal initially was to and and i would say that in 2020 uh, trying to get that shift from any like i said john anybody can spend money right mm -hmm. any marketer can spend money on acquisition but how's it converting and we know for example that organic converts at uh, 2x that of paid mm -hmm. and but you know initially all i had was paid and I've just been gradually so that in, you know, it was 95% back in November, December. Right, because you have to ramp up, right. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, gradually keep investing in organic. And I think where many marketers miss the boat is or ch are challenged by is trying to focus on content. And because your leadership and your sales team, they want what? The quick hits. Yeah. You know, I need leads. I need this. I need that. And, and organic is an investment. And it takes time. And, and also part of it is, you know, your website, your blogs, all the content that you're creating in an effort. And, and how is it related to your SEO? How are you using your content? So we, we use a tool called Market Muse. I've used them in a couple of different companies. Mm -hmm. And Market Muse actually tells us where we're standing. And, you know, it's all about optimization for us because, you know, we're all playing the, the Google machine game, right? And you're just trying to get more visible than somebody else. And so 
one of the, the metrics I look at is how we're doing comparatively to the competition in our particular space to kind of figure out what do we need to double down on, what kind of content, and, and what are we missing. So I, I do blog posts that are different than other ones, but we try to do, everybody says thought leadership, and I don't think thought leadership is what it's all about. It's, it's more, what's your voice? And I like to have a number of different people speaking on behalf of the company. So it isn't one blog writer with one point of view. I want different people to be able to come to it from different angles. Like I'm going to come at it from a different angle than one of my writers, Kathleen, that just came on board. Um, she's a great writer. She's, she's a fantastic. She worked for me at a couple of summers at a previous company as an intern. She just graduated. But man, she hit the ground running and she's, it's just going great. So, and, and you're, you're, you're coming up uh, October of last year is when you, yeah, you joined officially. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting close, right? You're getting close to the year yeah. mark. What would yeah. you say were the three decisions or, or, uh, you know, the three projects, whatever it is that had the biggest impact on growth over the last year? Like could be small wins if if you had to if you had to narrow it down to three things that you that 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 the team is most proud of what what would you say those were i think it's um primarily i'd say building a team that really works together and works cross functionally throughout the entire company i think that that it it has a lot of value in the organization as you know, in many organizations, marketing isn't necessarily regarded with the highest degree of favor that it could mm -hmm. be. And I think that individually, I'm a big believer in pushing decisions down and making people the go-to person. I don't want to be the go-to person for everything in marketing because I'm just going to be a stumbling block. I want my individuals to be able to run on their own. So I think, I think the decision about hiring in many cases was a group decision, like, you know, as the team was built and then cross-functionally interviewing team members to make sure that you don't want team members that are all in agreement. You want people that are going to make it better than you. So my director of marketing, uh, Mike Baker, is better than I am. He's better than I am in many areas, and I defer to him to be able to handle things. Like he ran a meeting yesterday that used to make my eyes roll in the back of my head, and, <laughs> and I know my weakness. I'm not a good poker player, so he runs the meeting, and I'll let him get a little frustrated, but he's not showing it. He's not showing it like I would show it, so it's it's really, he's super excellent. Um, Matt Desolitz, uh, he just came back from two weeks. He got married. He was on a honeymoon. He's just back in the office. Um, a fantastic culture person, a, a, a terrific individual. And, you know, people were clapping when he came back. And he's such a good operations person. And he works so well across the organization. So I think that some the decisions that I had made, um, Colin Burke, he's a very quiet guy and he is a fantastic paid acquisition channel person, always heads down, always looking at the ROI. So I would say if I had to say anything, the best decisions have been the hiring decisions, mm -hmm. but I would not claim credit for that. It was definitely a team effort to be able to bring these people in through networks and making sure that the 
it's like a Sudoku game is the way that I look at <laughs> team building, right? And I don't want anybody to be stuck in their role. I want people, I don't, I want people to be able to grow. I need people to be able to move from place to place. And in my career, I've forced people into areas that they weren't particularly comfortable in. And while they were resentful or scared or whatever, had a high degree of anxiety in the beginning, at at the end of it, I, I would always say to them, this is going to make you better at your job. This is, good. this is a growth opportunity. It's not forever. It's just try it, learn it, then you have it as, a, as some ex, a, experience for yourself. So I'm going to say, John, that I think it's, it's hiring people that are better than me. What about things, anything that you would do differently, knowing what you know now after the last almost 12 months? <clears throat> wow, that, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I make so many mistakes that I, I can't, um, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, some of the things that we've done, I mean, I, I throw a lot of balls in the air and, and we're spinning an awful lot of plates and a lot of times those plates break. And I think that when they break, it's, you, it's a learning exercise for us. So uh, thinking, you know, maybe a couple of things that I had doubts about in terms of a paid media, a customer acquisition. Hmm. I had doubts about, but I didn't put my foot down maybe. But, you know, it, you know it's a te- again, there's, I don't have enough information to be able to say that was a bad decision sure. or this, this was a good decision. It, we're, we're pretty much acting as fast as we can as we're, we're moving along. And I expect the team and the organization, the company, to be able to move as fast as we possibly can. Uh, I think, may, I guess if I had to say, it would probably be um, instead of generating so many leads for the direct sales organization that we had maybe fine-tuned it a little bit earlier in conjunction with the sales organization. So I think Ryan was trying to hire entry-level people and he realized he needed more closers. And so that that kind of mapping of the leads, it, it, it wasn't a matter of leads. He never said that there was a volume problem, but there was a velocity problem. And there's only so much I can do to be able to help him in that regard. Right. And so knowing what you know now, like you're going to be going into year two, uh, you know, in a bit, and you'll have a little bit more data, right? A little bit more mm-hmm. historical context to go off of. Like, what what is your initial feel on what 2020 could look like, you know, from a general perspective on maybe things marketing will be focused on or, or goals that you'd have as a group? Um, I think it's going to be a lot more because we're bringing on hundreds of customers mm-hmm. uh, constantly now. And where it was tens or dozens and, you know, 50s and now it's hundreds where we need to do a lot more with customer acquisition and customer success and the whole onboarding process and working more closely with um, the uh, uh, the product organization, which we have a fantastic relationship with, um, the voice of the customer, the customer advisory board, those types of things. Um, we are having a summit. We um, Mike had this idea of agile operations, having companies be move faster, be able to do more with data so that we can um, we can figure out what 
we're going to do as a an organization or as if you look at Catalan, for example, Catalan and the way that they do their businesses, um, they're all about the agility of an organization and, and agility for them is is being able to hire people. They're going to help you be able to grow. And it's it's an interesting it's an interesting mix of companies that we're working with right now. If you look at, at Drift or Robin or Botkeeper or any of these kinds of companies, they're in a new age and they're really trying to change. And we're, we want to change how uh, companies deal with corporate travel within their organization. So we have an event on November 6th, and that's a stake in the ground to be able to help build an event that doesn't really exist for finance people. And so that's something that is we're trying to get our head wrapped around and we've got, you know, CFOs and different finance people, operations people, CMOs, different people um, that are going to be attending that event. We've got Barbara Corcoran from the Shark Tank oh, awesome. that's yeah. going to be speaking and we have 50 signed books to be able to give away at the event. So we've got a good, good agenda and we're just working on that right now. That's exciting. It Gene, is. Gene, this was a lot of fun. You're a legend. I'm so glad we were able to get <laughs> you on. Oh, great. And I, I don't want to be a legend. <laughs> we, we, we talked from ice cream to lead nurture. Yeah. We covered it all. We covered <laughs> it all. So thank you so much for coming on. We had a lot of fun. Thank you, John. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.